At one stage, Jerusalem was under siege, eventually falling to the Babylonians. A siege is not nice. Just read your newspapers. If you know where Aleppo is, where Homs is, where Yemen is, where Iran is, you will know of what I speak. Some things never change. But in Jeremiah's time, even after the siege, with a break in the summer months when the Babylonians were distracted by the Egyptians who were rattling the swords to the south, the summer was concluded. The nicest summer on record, the warmest weather, the people were lulled into a trance and did not change their ways. And Jeremiah wrote in his diary that life just went along, business as usual. Harvest passed, summer ended, and we are not saved. Seasons come, seasons go, same old, same old. 600 years after Jeremiah, another prophet speaks. Jesus speaks in parables, and his stories inspire his hearers to try to live lives as if the other person were as important as they saw themselves. Jesus spoke of forgiveness, respect for enemies, those who are different from us. Jesus said, have faith and hope and love for one another. Have respect for those with divergent opinions. We are children of one father. Every generation has their prophets who are lauded and heralded and rewarded while they remain on the top of the charts. The masses love and adulate and quote them and sing along with their refrains. But then, nada. Nothing really changes. Humans just pick up and muddle along. Summer's ended. We're not saved. Where were you in 1964? Were you not with me trying to change the world? Flowers were going to defeat guns. Our prophets were speaking. And we thought that now everyone is going to listen. Our prophets, Simon and Garfunkel, were speaking loud and clear. If you did not know, sing, quote, and become teary-eyed over these prophets' words, you perhaps must be from another planet. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again.
Because a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping. And the vision that was planted in my brain still remains within the sound of silence. And in the naked light I saw 10,000 people, maybe more, people talking without speaking, people hearing without listening. Hear my words that I might teach you. And the sign said, the words of the prophets are written on the subway walls and tenement halls and whispered in the sounds of silence. There are other prophets speaking today. There are people of faith who are recognizing the signs of the times and declaring that things must change. But will summer pass? Will we be saved? Rabbi Sir Jonathan Sachs, Chief Rabbi of the United Hebrew Congregation of the Commonwealth, once asked rhetorically, what is the role of religion in society even in a secular society like Britain today. He tells the story of a London walking tour that passes the Houses of Parliament, the Bank of England, and St. Paul's Cathedral. It is an alternative walking tour to the one dedicated to the exploits of Jack the Ripper. At each stop, at Westminster, the Bank, and St. Paul's, a question is asked. What happens here? At Westminster, Rabbi Sachs explained that this is Parliament. It's about politics, the creation and distribution of power. At the Bank of England, it is explained that it is not just a place where Canadians are sometimes employed, but it is all about economics, the creation and distribution of wealth. At St. Paul's, it is explained that this is a church which is about worship. And then Rabbi Sachs asks, what then is it that the church produces? What does worship produce, create, distribute? Rabbi Sachs explains that for the past 50 years, our lives have been dominated by politics and economics, the state and the market, the logic of power and the logic of wealth. The state is us in our collective capacity. The market is us as individuals. And the debate for the last 50 years has been which one of these is more effective, the left 
favors the state. The right favors the market. The state is about power. The market is about wealth. Rabbi Sachs continues, <clears throat> there are two ways of getting people to do what we want them to do. One is to force them the way of power. The other is to pay them the way of wealth. But, says Rabbi Sachs, there is a third way. Supposing you decide to share not power or wealth, but love or friendship or influence or even knowledge, and you decide to share those with nine other people, how much would you have left? Would you have less than when you began? No, you would have more. Why? Because love, friendship, and influence are things that only exist by virtue of sharing them with others. Those are the goods that are called covenantal goods. Covenantal goods are the goods that the more one shares, the more one has. And that makes covenant different than wealth and power. In a covenant, there is respect for the dignity and integrity of the other a coming together in a bond of love and trust. Rabbi Sachs concludes, and there it is, as simply as I can state it, economics and politics are about the logic of competition. Covenant is the logic of cooperation. In 2016, in Montreal, the third global conference on the world's religions after 9-11 was held. Karen Armstrong, historian of religion, spoke. She has written on the traditions of China, Judaism, Christianity, Islam. You can read her books in 45 languages, A History of God, the Battle for God, Fields of Blood, Religion, and the History of Violence. Karen Armstrong stated that terrorism is indeed political, but religion has been used effectively as its scapegoat. Before the European Enlightenment, religion and politics were one. Their separation has thrown us into catastrophic and dangerous shoals of water. She stated succinctly that the distinction between politics and religion is simply a stupid idea. With a sweep of the historian's pen, she noted that the nation states that were set up in the Middle East by European powers were set up to fail. Today, she says, we reap the whirlwind 
wherein other cultures, religions, and people were not shown the very compassion, mercy, and peace which was supposedly espoused by the religion of the dominant colonial empires. Armstrong said, she was not speaking of a soggy, sentimental compassion, but a robust expression for all people that they should treat one another as they want to be treated themselves. She said it in these words, dethrone yourself. Put another person there. Put another person, community, nation, in your place, and then take action. There is no emotional state of pity for one's enemy, but an active exercise in looking out for one another. Archbishop Rowan Williams has stated that Christ's birth was not the birth of a super good person who shows us how to get it right every time. But Christ's birth was the arrival in the world of someone who tells us that everything could be different. There is another world that can be ordered. The message of the prophet Jeremiah was consistent and pointed in this direction. The message and sacrifice of Jesus was consistent and called people forward in hope. The message of all people of faith, the message of prophets today, their speaking is consistent. There is a third way to look at our human existence, which is in peril today. God has written on all people's hearts a commandment by which we can live. There are prophets speaking today, giving the same message, urging humanity to be human, to forgive and accept and show respect. The truth is this. Salvation is not coming this year. Salvation is not coming by the end of summer. Salvation is not coming anytime soon. Because salvation is not a one-off event. Salvation, however, is a process. Salvation is a condition. Humanity has always been seeking salvation. Salvation in the world with a better leader. Salvation with a more moral leader. Look at the United States, look at Britain. Salvation in our marriages with the perfect spouse. Salvation in our businesses with the perfect product 
that never fails. Salvation in our industries with a perfect airplane that won't fall out of the sky. Salvation in our church with the perfect theology on marriage, with a perfect understanding of human sexuality. We want salvation, and we want it now. Maybe by the end of summer, but not next year. But Jeremiah said it. Jesus said it. Rabbi Sachs said it. Karen Armstrong said it. Simon and Garfunkel said it. Salvation is not coming this summer. Because we are people who love darkness. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping. Fools, said I, you do not know. Silence like a cancer grows. Hear my words that I might teach you. Take my arms that I might reach you. Salvation is nothing to wait for. Salvation is here, now, ready within our hearts, ready for the taking, ready for the living. Salvation is God's given way for us how to learn how to live together. Salvation is us speaking, truly speaking to one another. Salvation is us listening, really listening to one another. Salvation is us working together daily for peace and for living peace. Ever singing, march we onward, victors in the midst of strife. Joyful music leads us sunward in the triumph song of life. Friends, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, what is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Do these things in listening and in speaking, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen.